Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Okay, grab your Bibles and uh, start turning over to Job chapter 19. If you're just joining us, we're in a chronological Bible reading plan. We started January 1st. We're 28 days into it. Uh, It's not too late to get caught up, but no matter where you are, even if you're like, I can't get caught up, start today and uh, just join us along the journey because the messages are going to be based upon what we're reading for the week. And so we read this this week and uh, we're going to be looking at it. Um, So that would be my encouragement. Get into the Bible. May this be the year that you really get into the Bible and read the whole Bible Maybe for the first time, and I think you're going to be amazed at how God really speaks to you. But uh, I want to ask you a question in your own life. What do you hope for? I want you to just think about that for a minute. That's maybe a little strange question, but what do you hope for? A little bit might be what do you dream about, but hope is a little different because hope is always just beyond us. Like it's not here. Like, you don't have it. I mean, Paul said in the Bible, he said, who hopes for what they already have? Nobody. You don't hope for something that you have. You hope for something that you don't have. And it's not in your grasp. It's just a little bit beyond you. What do you hope for? Well, now that I know you all know it's my birthday, uh, I wasn't going to start this way, but I think it's a great kind of segue. Uh, I knew something might have been up this week. We uh, were down at the creek and uh, having lunch, and Mackenzie was our waitress. She was caring for us. And uh, she came up. She said, well, I understand that your birthday's on Sunday. And I started to smile, and I said, how did you know that? And she said, well, I'll go get your drinks. So I knew something was up. I pinned my wife down like, do you know about this? She goes, no, I don't know anything. Nobody's contacted me about anything. So either she's a good liar uh, or she really didn't know anything. I'm not really sure which one it is. I'll probably find out later. But I'll tell you what, it's really different. I don't know, I don't know about you. 60 is a little hard for me. That's, I'm 60 today. It's a little hard for me. Uh, I, I knew it would be a little challenging. And uh, some people who are past 60 said, ah, it's just a number. Um, Maybe so, but in ministry, maybe it's a little different because because I want to keep doing what I'm doing forever. I do. I love, absolutely love what I'm doing. And when when you cross a threshold like 60, and it's just maybe a gentle reminder that maybe I can't do this position forever, then I don't know what it does to you, but I watch a lot of co-pastors, you know, in different places. They tell me they wind down after 60, and I'm like, what? You know, wind down? Are you kidding me? Um, I think you know me well enough to know that, that I'm stepping on the gas. I mean, if I got a limited time, uh, let's go, church. Um, let's go for the run of our life. I mean, let's just keep seeing where God can take us. And, uh, and this week was really significant. I'll just, I'll, I shared a little bit last week, but I'll share a little bit 
the surprise of this week. So Thursday was our last day at the bridge, at the current bridge. And so uh, we had hosted uh, our district president, a lot of pastors here on Thursday. Um, They were just uh, here to see the ministries that God is doing through us in all of our community things. That evening we had an open house at the new bridge, which was incredible. Um, But then at the end of that night, um, we went back to the current bridge, and I asked for the privilege to turn off the lights. Um, Nothing could have prepared my heart for it. You know, so we went, we went to the new bridge, or the current bridge, and uh, walked around, reminisced for a long time. And uh, there's something, there's something life-altering is the only thing way I could tell you, is that when I turned off the lights for the last time uh, and just started to cry. Because I watched God do the extraordinary in that place. I watched God raise up Marsha and a whole team of people. And um, Ruthann told us almost a thousand volunteers have been a part of giving of their time so that people can eat. And when you see that kind of ministry happen and you get the privilege to be a part of it, uh, it's, it was overwhelming for me to close it. Um, but then there's hope. That's what we're talking about today. The new bridge. Um, we open Tuesday, so you're all welcome to come and uh, just come in and say, I'm, I'm here. It's for anybody who makes less than 72000 to shop there, but if you're not in that category, uh, just come and get a tour. Because uh, it's, um, as somebody told me on Thursday night, jaw-dropping, uh, because it's so absolutely amazing, the gift that God has given to us in that place to serve even more people. So the dreams don't start, or don't stop. I mean, dreams and hopes are continuing, we brought back all of the shelving units. I don't think you've heard this yet from me. That, uh, you know, in the backyard we have His Hands Auto Care. We have the dealership. Well, they're about to start a parts store this week with the shelves from the old, the current, the former bridge. I don't know how to call it, Marsha. Just the bridge. The former location. We took the shelving units over to the pole barn, and uh, they're going to start parts. Uh, which is going to be a tremendous gift even into our community um, for affordability for car repair. So that's, that's a new ministry that's just about to launch just in the next couple of days. Uh, on Tuesday, I'm actually meeting with the Open Door. And uh, Matt, you probably knew about that, but I'm meeting with them because we're going to talk about how to eradicate homelessness uh, in Midland, minimally, and then maybe even beyond. So God is not slowing down, uh, which I'm grateful for, and I would encourage you Uh, If you are sitting on the sidelines, uh, jump in, get engaged, uh, be a part of it, be a part of what God's doing, because I think if I had to be prophetic, the next 10 years are going to be um, miraculous. I think God is going to do the extraordinary. Uh, I think He already has been, but I think it's going to continue, And, and I'm excited about it. So my hope my hope, and this is what we're going to learn today, my hope is in God. It's not in what is, He's doing, but my hope is in God. And I'm going to encourage you today, before the message is over, that you place your hope where it belongs, 
And it's in God himself. It's not in circumstances. We don't hope for a better marriage. We don't hope for better relationships. I mean, that's just a wishful thinking. But hope is different in the scriptures. Because hope in the scriptures means I'm going to take my hope and I'm going to place it in the person of Jesus Christ. And by placing it there, I'm going to trust that he's going to do what he wants to do in the other circumstances. Now here's the thing with hope, which is what we're going to talk about before we get to Job. Hope is a gift from God. I did not know that. Uh, that, was, that was for me this week. Uh, what? How did I not ever see that? Because when we hope, like, God, my hope is in you. And when I talk to you about the next 10 years, my hope is that God is going to do the extraordinary and use us as the ordinary to do the extraordinary for the sake of bringing more people into heaven. That's the ultimate goal. But seeing that hope is a gift from God, let me just read a verse. It's from Romans 15. May the God of hope, that should give us a clue, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right there. May you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, I started praying differently. God, fill me with hope. Hope in you. Hope that God is going to do amazing things. Without God, you know this, what's the opposite of hope? Hopeless. No believer in Christ should ever be hopeless, ever, in any circumstance, in any situation. Because when you have God plus one, you're always in the majority. There's nothing impossible with God. Nothing. So no matter what you're going through, when you have God and your hope is in God, you have everything that can change any circumstance. And if God chooses not to change the circumstance, here's what God is doing. He's changing you to overcome whatever it is. Did you catch it? I want to say that again. When you have God and your hope is in God, like God, my trust, my hope is in you, regardless of your circumstances, God may choose to either change your circumstances because you're hoping in Him, or God will not change your circumstances and God will strengthen you to overcome those circumstances and you're going to be stronger because of it. That's key. That's what hope is. And and this is oftentimes where God will strategically put us in places or allow things to happen in our life that are just beyond us because he wants us to learn how to put our hope in him. Here would be an example. if, If it's health or healing, I mean, if you're needing healing by God or you you're don't have your health, you need God. And as a society, what we've done is we've slid away from God being the healer to medicine. Not thinking that where do you think those medicines came from? Elements from God. And then the wisdom for people to put them together in such a way so that God could use them in our bodies for a healing agent. It all goes back to God. But somehow we've separated out like, oh, I don't need God, I just need medicine, I just need 
you know, the medical field. No, God is the healer. Your body heals itself because that's how God created it to do, but sometimes needs help. This is why a gateway, I love it that we pray with patience first, inviting God into the healing process. All right, so health or healing is one area we need hope. Relationships. Man, some relationships are hard, aren't they? Whether it's marriage, coworkers, child, parent, friend, um, neighbor, some relationships are hard. And God may give us a level of discomfort in those so that we put our hope back where it belongs. Some of you may hope for a fulfilling job or maybe retirement. That's not on my radar. That's not on my radar. People have asked me that. So, are you thinking about retirement? No. No, not even a little bit. We also, this is something we all want. We want purpose. We all need purpose. That comes from God. That's our hope in God. And I think, as a believer in Christ, you want to be used by God. But sometimes we're afraid our past sin negates that, and it doesn't. That's what forgiveness is. But, but here's what I want you to start walking away with. Regardless of your circumstance or your situation, God is a God of hope. And Psalm 43 says to us, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Do you know why God leaves us with that always wanting or hoping? Do you realize why? Because otherwise, what do you need God for? If you're saved, what do you need God for? And that's not what God wants to be in your life. God wants to show himself. So he's always going to put us in a position of like longing, like hoping, like, God, can you do something about this? God, would you help me with this? Or maybe you're stretching yourself and you're going out of your comfort zone. You're saying, God, would you help me? You're calling me out. I need you. That's where God wants us to be. All right, now what does all this have to do with Job? Job 19. So if you're there with me, go down to the bottom. Verse 25. Now you may recall... Job lost everything. God gave uh, Satan permission to ravage Job's life. Hoping that, Satan was hoping that he would curse God, and Job never did. Then Satan asked God, can I ravage his body and get very personal? Then he'll curse you. God said, okay. So Job's body was ravaged with, with open sores. Um, we read, you might, might have seen that, his skin was turning black. Um, it was open sores. He would scrape it with pottery just to get relief. He was feverish. He was hot. That's what the Bible says, that he was hot. His breath stunk infection. I mean, he was loathsome to the people around him. I mean, he was a wreck. He was a mess. But he always held to, God, I have not done anything wrong. Not being sinless, but I haven't done anything wrong. So Job's hope was in God, 
even though he knew that God was allowing this to happen to him. And that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Put yourself in that position. When you recognize God is allowing something bad to happen in your life, and yet you're then putting your hope in the very one who's allowing it to go bad. That's a huge testimony of his faith. This is what he said, verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God, I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Such a small little section, if you've been at a funeral, a lot of times this is read, but it's, it's taken so much out of context at a funeral. I, I just want to start to unpack this. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. That is one of the greatest testimonies of faith. He knew that, that God was the Redeemer. What's a Redeemer? A Redeemer is like when you go to the store with a coupon and they redeem it. What's that have to do with this? Well, the coupon belonged to the store. And the store gave it to you. And then the store bought it back. Kind of a crazy concept. It was their coupon. They gave it to you and then they bought it back. That's redeeming. That's redemption. So he's saying, I know my Redeemer, meaning the one who created me, I know that he's buying me back. Like he's doing something for me. He loves me so much. He's redeeming me. What we know the Redeemer, he has a name. What's the name of the Redeemer today? Jesus. We know that. This was 4,000 years before this. And, he's, he, and he goes, I know my Redeemer. He lives. The one who is going to redeem me, he lives. How did he know that? How did he know that? That's crazy. And he says, and that in the end, he, pointing ahead, he, the Redeemer, the Son of God, Jesus, which he didn't know his name, is going to stand on the earth. Which means he's coming back. And after my skin, and he, his skin was already just messed up. I mean, when it's destroyed, meaning, like, I'm going to die. It's going to be destroyed. Yet, in my flesh, I'll see God. You know what he's, he's talking to us about? He goes, he's saying, I believe in the resurrection. I believe after I'm destroyed, I'm going to see God with my own eyes. Where in the world did he come to understand that there's a resurrection before Jesus was raised? So I was curious. I started looking in the Bible to say, are there any other things like this? There are. Abraham, remember Abraham when he went to sacrifice his son? And in Hebrews 11, it talks about he believed that if he took the life of his son with that knife, that God was going to bring him back to life. You understand how crazy this is? Have you ever had someone or some a pet 
or something die? Did you think it could come back to life? Probably not. That's not even on our radar. I mean, if you bury a pet, you're not looking at the grave going, okay, God, when are you going to raise him back to life so that I can have him back for another 10 years? You're not thinking that. Because that's not normal. I mean, when a pet dies or when someone dies, you know they're not going to come back to life. Where did Job get this? Where did Abraham get this? And then I looked in Elijah's life. Elijah raised a person after death. Raised him up. Dead, raised up. Elisha, after Elijah, Elisha raises up someone from the dead. Crazy. How did they know this? So their hope, let's go back to hope. His hope was in God who was going to raise him up. And he was going to see God. And then that last sentence of the verse. How my heart yearns within me. He was ravaged, but his hope was in God that God was going to raise him up and he was going to meet his Redeemer face to face, see him with his own eyes. That is hope beyond hope. Here's the irony. I just want you to think about this. His hope was in God because he believed there was a resurrection even though he'd never heard of one. You and I know that the Redeemer came, that the Redeemer lived, that the Redeemer was crucified, and we know that the Redeemer was raised from the dead, and yet oftentimes we live as though we have no hope. How crazy is that? We should have the most hope. That hope should change us so that when we go to work, nobody can take anything away from you. Nobody can take that hope away, ever. No circumstance, nothing in life, not even death, nothing can take the hope away. Do you live that way? Are you living as God? If you can raise the dead, which you have done, then this circumstance I'm facing is nothing. If you've told me that nothing's impossible with you, then I can have hope that nothing's impossible. And you can choose if you want to, to change the circumstance. But if you don't, change me in the circumstance. Of all people, we should be the greatest people of hope. It should just overflow, that's what we read, overflow out of us. Like, I have hope. And turning 60, I have a lot of hope. 
Buckle up, church. We are going to have a ride. It's going to be amazing. All right, I want to reference one more story. I think you know this. You can turn to it if you choose to. Jeremiah 29. You've heard this, but I, I, I think it's great. And again, it's from the Old Testament. But if you look up Jeremiah 29 at verse 10, this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, all right, now let me, let me put the reference point. The Israelites were disobedient. God banished them to Babylon like Iraq of today. Banished them for 70 years. Like, you have to leave my presence because of how you lived your life. So God says, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to get plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Here it is. Plans to give you hope and a future. God's plan was, I'm going to give you hope in your seemingly hopeless situation. God wants you to have hope. Boy, couldn't God say that today about every circumstance in your life right now? That no matter what your circumstance, God today says, I want you to have hope. Not wishful thinking. Hope, meaning God wants you to have Him and put your hope in Him. Here's, here's what most people forget about on this verse in Jeremiah. Then. Then what? After your hope is in God? Then. You will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. There's no greater hope than what I just read. When you put your hope in the person of Jesus, then you get to talk to him That's like you're going to the throne of grace in heaven, the creator of the universe says to you, when you pray, I'll listen. What? Try to do that now. Try to do that now. If you're in a company, try to get a hold of the CEO and have him listen to you or her. I dare you. Because you're going to have to go through the chain and through all these places until you finally get to that person. But you probably can't get to that person. And God says, I want you to have hope so that when you pray, it goes right to the throne of grace, right to God, and God says, I'm listening. What's he say? Then you call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is before they knew about Jesus. And that was the hope they had. Now scan ahead. You have, you have the rest of the story. You have all of the people of the Bible to go back and read their stories. God gives us these stories so that we would have hope. 
Friends, I can't encourage it enough. Don't leave here today without taking your hope and putting it where it belongs. God, you're inviting me to put my hope in you so that no matter what I face, we're going to face it together. And when we go to prayer time today and we give you some moments to pray, God says it's almost like a symphony, kind of how I see it. When we pray in this place, imagine hundreds of prayers going all the way up to the throne of grace and God's like listening. I don't know how he does it, but he listens. Because he wants us to have hope. Okay, well, let's pray. Father, we're going to do what you invited us to do, and that's come and pray to you right now. We know, Father, that as we have just bowed our heads, our hearts, you're hearing us. Father, as a church, we confess our sins and ask you to forgive us. Cleanse us, O Lord, from all unrighteousness. Father, we're putting our hope in you and we're looking forward. Father, we don't know where you're going to take us over this next decade, but may, may it be the most amazing decade that we've ever witnessed of your work among us. We pray that you would bless the church. We pray that we would seek you diligently. We pray that we would be open to your leading spirit. And we pray that you'd guide us every step of the way and help us to live our life because we are people of hope. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. And everybody said? Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.